Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Thanks for listening. This is Rob Spee, your host and founder of Channel Journeys. And this is episode 45, already the fourth episode of 2020. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to Laura Stewart, who introduced me to Tiffany Bova, who I had on the show earlier. And Laura also introduced me to today's guest. Laura is an author, podcast host, channel partner, strategist, consultant, and all around just a great person. So Laura, thank you very much. And I have another big announcement for you. Today, I have my first sponsor of Channel Journeys. This podcast has become a passion project for me, and I decided to add a sponsorship to help defray my cost of production and to promote companies that I believe in. One of the biggest challenges in our profession is the lack of trained channel professionals. Most of us had to learn this from the School of Hard Knocks. And the Channel Institute is on a mission to change that. Through their online learning, they have trained and certified hundreds of channel business professionals around the world. They offer certificate courses in channel management, channel sales, channel marketing, and digital co-marketing. And if you're a channel manager or a channel marketer, the Channel Institute is really a great way for you to learn best practices and even advance your career. And the best part I think about the Channel Institute is that it's run by a a really super guy, Mike Kelly, who I had on this show early on. Go back and check out episode seven. You'll get more details on Mike, the Channel Institute, and why he built this great company. Also, we've got a special offer for Channel Journeys listeners that I'll tell you about at the end of today's show. All right. So who is today's guest? Many of you know him. He spent a decade as an MSP, then another decade as a vendor. He is the founder of MSP Radio, the host of the Business of Tech podcast, and co-host of the Killing It podcast. I'm talking with Dave Sobel. He is quickly becoming the source for news and commentary on the IT solution provider world. Dave and I chat about the top disruptive technologies and trends, their impact on the channel, and we get into the things Dave says we ought to be talking about, but really aren't. So let's get to it with Dave Sobel. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Dave, good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. You are welcome. Dave, where do we find you today? So I am, I'm in my home studio here just outside Washington, D.C. I've lived in the, the D.C. metro area all the way back to pre-my MSP days. People don't know this is a huge tech hub around the D.C. metro. So there's a lot going on here technology-wise, and that's where I'm at today. Wow. Born and raised there or, or transplanted? Regionally, grew up about an hour north of here. So so sort of, you know, from the region, if not if not from the specific area. Okay, great. Well, happy new year. To you too. Thank you. Thank you. So you are kind of embarking or you have embarked on a new mission. Tell us about that and what you're doing at, at MSP Radio. Yeah. So to put it in a little bit of context, I, you know, I spent a decade as a solution provider. I ran an MSP and, and focused on the data, you know, built that business up and was really focused on the growth and, and day-to-day operations of that. And I sold that business and said my next mission was to, to sort of learn the vendor side of things. So I spent eight years with two or four, depending on the way you want to look at the acquisitions and name changes and all vendors. Right. And I built communities and my mission was helping solution providers. 
years. And I, I loved doing it. But what I felt like recently was that the conversation had just become the same, that there was a lot of stuff that was always the same answer and the same conversation over and over and over again. The stuff we talk about for the last three or four years at the conferences that we're just kind of rehashing. Oh, totally. Like we could play build a conference, right? Like we could just pick everyone's favorite sessions and know that pretty much it's going to look the same every single time we show up. There'll be a pricing panel. There'll be, (laughs) there'll be a, where's the opportunity? Someone will make an obtuse reference to security. Like we, you know, insert motivational keynote speaker at the beginning. Don't forget digital transformation. Oh, my favorite. I was getting to the point where I'm looking at this going, this is just feeling kind of rote. And I guess the other piece about it is, is, is that I was looking saying, I want to start asking really hard questions, like really difficult, (laughs) intellectually stimulating, but challenging questions, partly because I've always said in mystery, there's margin. If it's hard, there clearly has to be ways to make money around it. But I also felt like like we're just not asking the right questions. So for, for me, it was about setting out to do something different. And you know, you you might people who know me know that they smile and say, that sounds illogical. You know, I did college radio for years. You know, I've done live events and stuff, and, and I love getting up and talking. And with the emergence of podcasting as a real medium. I looked and said, you know what? That seems like a natural fit for me. Let me combine these things together and start doing something different. So the the new business was to get out and, and kind of focus on a very different kind of content. Awesome. Do you know Laura Stewart? Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. You know, she talks a lot. And I did a podcast with her about, are we asking the right questions? I think we're not. I think we we're really not. Are. <laughs> <laughs> we're asking the same question over and over again. Right. And we're, and we're almost, and we're expecting a different answer. You know, isn't that the definition <laughs> of insanity? So yeah, I'd said that I really wanted to do that. So my, my flagship podcast is a podcast called the business of tech, and it is a daily five minute news and commentary piece. And, and the way that I look at it is, is I, you know, there's a ton of news that's hitting everybody all the time. I am picking the three things of the day or the 24 hour period that I think are impactful if you're in the business of delivering technology services. And I've specifically said it that way because I want it to be broader than our typical, oh, you're a managed services provider, you're a VAR. Because I think the business of delivering technology is where we want to think about this. There's lots of different ways of doing that. It's not just one, and I want the expanse to be broad, and a lot of the themes really do make a lot of sense broadly that way. Yeah, and you and I, we have channel in our blood. We live and breathe it, and we want the channel as a whole to be successful, whether you're channel vendor, channel partner. And this is really important that we're thinking about the future of the channel and also the the impact that the channel can have on business and, and just people in general. Oh, totally. And the issues are big. And I don't want us to diverge as an, you know, as ch- as the channel side of things or the industry from where I think the larger questions are and where kind of society is and and where our customers are because they're ha- they're asking really smart, hard questions and I'm not a- always sure we're involved in the answers of that. So we're starting a new year. We're starting a new decade. What are some of the things that you're speaking about that, uh, that, that you have on your show, you're talking about that you think are, are really impactful, that the, the questions that we should be asking and 
probably translate into opportunities for the channel. Yeah, there's a ton, right? And, and the threads come and go on a regular basis, but but I almost kind of have, I thematically always have three things that I really like to, to think about. Okay. The one I always think about at first is kind of big tech and ethics. Mm-hmm. You know, and where I think that matters is, you know, our good friends at Amazon, Google, Facebook, you know, are are making a bit of a mess of things. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in the news, not always for good reason. They're under a lot of fire. That sends a lot of messages to our customers about tech and technology. And personally, I think they're they're kind of stepping it in. I think they're making a huge mess. You know, whether or not it is accidental, the they didn't mean to step on the rake and it hit them in the face or it's coming from a worse place. I'm inclined to believe it's coming from a mistake perspective, but either way, they're leaving a mess for us to deal with. And I think it's important for us to take a look at though to understand what's going on there, understand the conversation and start having smarter questions with conversations with customers about that. You know, how do you what is the right amount of data to to absorb and keep? That's an issue that all of the big tech companies are dealing with because they've just been hoovering up data and now they're getting in trouble for that. Potentially, our channel customers might be collecting too much data too. And I think you can stand out by by focusing on that. Yeah, just, just because you can store it doesn't mean you necessarily should be. Yeah, exactly. And you may not even know. And it might have made sense before and maybe now it doesn't. So thematically, yeah. I always kind of think about like kind of big tech ethics and its impact. Yeah, that's a big one. The second one that I really thematically always look at a lot is is regulation. And I'm going to say something bold that sometimes the tech company community doesn't necessarily feel inclined naturally to do is I'm not sure regulation is bad. We immediately in mo- as business people and as technologists almost kind of hit this default statement of, "Oh, regulation bad." I'm not sure. <laughs> like you're saying there's there's good regulation and there's bad regulation. Absolutely, absolutely. A hundred percent. We need regulation at some level to tell us what society allows and doesn't allow. Let me give a great example that I think helps make this crystal clear. If you take a purely business perspective on chemicals and chemical generation, the most profitable way to do chemical processing is to dump the waste into the river. It's the cheapest way of handling it, right? Like if I'm in the the chemical business and I want to get rid of my waste, throwing it out the window is the easiest and cheapest way to address that. Wasn't that Love Canal? (laughs) It might've been. And now there's a new movie, I think that just came out about that. That works, right? And if I'm purely saying the market will solve this problem, that's totally the cheapest way to do it. Now, we as society have decided that clean water is important. <laughs> we would like to have clean water, and we're not going to allow people to dump chemicals into the water just indiscriminately. There are going to be regulations around that. Let's think about that from a technology perspective. The cheapest way to manage all this is dump our chemical data waste anywhere we want, anywhere we want, without any regards to the impact on the larger larger society. Or, or use it in any way you want. Right, exactly. That is totally profitable, incredibly profitable. But you know what? I don't think that's the society we want to live in. <laughs> and, and so allowing comp- technology companies to just dump their waste into the river 
not necessarily the best way to do it. And so I think it's important for us to tackle this in smart and intelligent ways. I'll throw out another thing. You know, I, I think that we should be asking tough questions about the way about the way companies contribute to society. I think there's something wrong when an Amazon employee with a CompSIA certification that we've invested in pays more in actual taxes than Amazon the company. Like, I just don't think that's inherently what we meant to set out to do. Amazon paid no taxes in 2018. Just didn't. So what's the role of the channel in that? Is it, it's, is that activism? Is it just being aware and, and more involved in, you know, how regulations are? I mean, now we're getting into politics, right? To a certain degree is yes, but these are the questions that drive it. Actually, I say it drives innovation. When you have a small number of companies that are are just relying on incredibly free capital and are just driving everything. They can buy any competitor and crush them. That actually stifles innovation. And in technology, we want there to be innovation. We want a competitive marketplace. The way you build that is by having the rules of the road allow people to do that. My first point is, is exactly what you said. Actually, awareness really matters. Like, I don't think we're looking at from an awareness perspective to understand what's happening from a regulation perspective, what those conversations are. And the second is, is there's going to be some level of activism. Look, I've got my opinions and I don't mind stating them at times. That doesn't mean I'm right. (laughs) And it doesn't mean I'm the only opinion out there. We're not talking about it at all. And I think that's problematic. Well, and I think we're afraid to talk about it. We've become so partisan, you know, we're a bit afraid to even bring up some subjects because we don't want to go there. Right. But by the way, that's bad for our industry. It is because if we don't, other people will. They're going to, you can see this by by my first area of topic on big tech. It's going to happen. Anybody who doesn't think regulation is coming for the big tech companies are not watching. And thus the, hey, that's why I cover it, because it is coming. It is yeah. totally coming. And we, I think we should be part of the, the solution. I think we should be involved. The channel has opinions and expertise here. Only roughly 4% of our elected officials in Congress come from a technology background. <laughs> Do we want them left to their own devices to, to write the regulations? Somehow, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the odds that they are familiar with the channel? Right. Exactly. The odds are familiar with the channel even less. So I say, yeah, this is uncomfortable. But back to my premise, we have to get involved with these important discussions. All right. So big tech and ethics is number one. Regulations is number two. What's your number three? My number three is changing the conversation around security. I think that we're having way too much conversation that is simply sell security to your customers or engage security to your customers. There's a lot more interesting things going on in that space than we're really talking about. If I just pull like you know, one particular week of my Business of Tech podcast I had conversations around where New Orleans declares a actual state of emergency because of a ransomware attack, like a full-on state of emergency, the same legal precedent that they set for Hurricane Katrina, they declare on a state of emergency because of a ransomware attack. The next day, Google makes changes to their authentication mechanism to block less secure applications following Microsoft because they came out first moving toward an OAuth piece. And then the next day, there's a story about on about on Twitter targeting people with epilepsy by you know, hackers are coming out and targeting people with epilepsy by putting graphics with 
intense visual seizure inducing videos. That's a three day time span. Each day, something like that. Those are really targeted conversations around security. But by the way, every single one of them have actual opportunities for the channel. Like you could, you could look at each of the things that are going on there, talking about New Orleans and, and the state of that is a marketing message and a value message of the importance of security. When you have to, how do most channel partners go out and sell security? It's a big field, right? It's a big field. And it's my feeling that most of them are going out just talking about the basics. They're talking about data protection and, and making sure your backups are good. We're going with a vague sense of we'll talk security. It's not nearly specific enough, relatable enough, or targeted enough. And that couples also with good data management. And, and I could put a cherry on the top of the Sunday by saying, and doing it ethically that's high value consulting. So I'm tying this all together by saying like, there's channel opportunity in all of these hard questions. Yeah, they're hard, but that's why I think they're going to be super profitable. Do we need sort of this corporate level security at home in our personal lives? Are we getting to, because we're opening ourselves up to so many areas of potential exposure with basically, you know, IOT in our home. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and that is another area of, of massive opportunity in, in IoT. And, and think about what happened to you know, Ring around the holidays as we're just coming out, you know, coming out of our uh, holiday funk. You know, Ring was under a ton of fire for the perceived hacking of their devices. Ultimately, they weren't really hacked. They were social engineered and people were stealing credentials that people had reused. And then bulk testing them against the devices, breaking in and listening in and then ultimately messing with people in their homes. You know, we're putting technology in these very, very secure, and I put secure in quotes because it's the perception of it or the private space. And we're kind of unthinking about that. And so say, where's the channel stepping in to help customers? That's a huge opportunity. You can't tell me that people aren't interested in making sure that the devices they're putting in place are not managed correctly. I totally believe they will pay for that. Yeah. And that's probably a huge SMB play, I would guess. Oh, I would totally think so. Which is <laughs> the mass bulk of the channel partners, small business providers, SMB players. Yeah. One of the th my missions here with, with the kind of content that I'm putting out is, is that I, I want to have these different kind of conversations. I want to change the discussion from, you know, our typical you know, vagary sense of, of, hey, what's your pricing model or, or what's the latest product acquisition you know, piece or stuff to actually some of these big issues? Because by the way, I think these are what our customers want us talking about. Well, do they? Let me, let's challenge that one. So customers want business outcomes, but they're living in a world that's being rocked by the types of things you just described. But you're exactly right. They want business outcomes. And what they want, they need help with is navigating all of this. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really hard. Yeah. And, and thus my statement of in mystery, there's margin. If it's really hard, that by its very nature means it's high value and you can charge really, really premium pricing for that. Right. Right. That comes back, I think, to having that awareness. When you go into that account, if you don't have this awareness of the things that are taking place, the things that you're talking about on your Business of Tech podcast, what a quick way to get 
snippets. <laughs> Even yeah. before you go into a sales call, listen to your show and get those snippets of what's taking place. Obviously, you want to know, you got to know more than just the snippet, but you're you're highlighting these things that we're not talking about. Well, exactly. And that that is the very premise of the show. Is I mean, the show is five minutes a day, like really intended to, you add it to your routine to give you insights into the big things that are happening. There's an, you know, it's the news. And I always say like, why do you, why do we care? is the two parts of it. So I do some news and I do a why do we care segment, which gives you some perspective and commentary. And look, I'm the first one to always sort of smile and say that I'm not going to be right on all of these why do we cares, but I'm going to give you an opinion to start from. If Mm -hmm. you immediately listen to me and say, Dave, you're totally wrong. Here's why I think you're wrong. I'll actually say that that's exactly my, my goal because I have now not only informed you, but you have formed a valuable opinion that you can now leverage. How does this tie into the other podcasts that you're doing at Killing It that you do with Carl Palachuk and uh, Ryan Morris? Yeah. So it, it ties in because the the original basic premise of Killing It was that we wanted to change the way we talked about terminology and phraseology. Everyone laughs now because digital transformation is like my favorite one to be mad about because I think the phrase digital transformation is just sort of garbage. I think it's consultant speak for you didn't pay attention to technology and now you got to catch up. Like I think that it's a nice, (laughs) it's a nice way of saying that because it feels way better to sell somebody on a digital transformation than to tell them, yeah, you kind of weren't paying attention and now we have to catch you up. (laughs) There's a lot of money in that. Right. Oh, there's total lot of money in it, but, but it's, it's this kind of gobbledygook speak, uh, the reason we call it killing it is to kill the this kind of gobbledygook speak and really dive into changing the, the phraseology. And again, to, to, to focus on these things that, that are a little bit longer form. And in that case, we, we view it as, as kind of part of the interruption for the channel is, is three talking heads that bring these things in, try and break the old ideas a little bit and give you some new ones to work with. Yeah, you had a pretty funny one. It was just talking about the term MSP. Oh, and I laugh because I, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm almost betraying my heritage because I mean, I feel like I am an MSP, but it's, it's the, I think the term has kind of become useless because it's getting, it's getting used by a bunch of people who don't even understand what it is. Is, does that, is that helpful? Not really. So then you have to break down the term. And, and I think the other thing about it is, is, is that we also don't want to take ourselves is too seriously sometimes. Uh, you know, if, if you're saying that, you know, Hey, you guys had a funny one. It's like, okay, we're doing kind of something right when we're, we're also entertaining. You. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys are clearly having fun and, and a little bit tongue in cheek, but also serious too. Yeah. Well, that, that's exactly is, 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 you know, if we want to, this doesn't have to be a slog. And in particular, because in some cases we are talking about stuff that's kind of serious. Let's make sure that we're not losing sight of the fact that, that we're supposed to like what we do. So with these, this kind of theme of things we're not talking about, are there disruptive technologies we're not focused enough on or not thinking about enough? My favorite, and I think that, that I always talk about is, is the idea of voice as a UI. I am super intrigued by what voice opens up from a technology perspective. I liken it to the same way that we viewed the mouse or the touch screen. They didn't displace completely those technologies. So the mouse came out, you still use a keyboard. But what the mouse did is it gives you all kinds of new ways to work with your computer. The the modern desktop wouldn't exist without the mouse, but the keyboard is still completely part of that. Touchscreens, another 
great one. When smartphones got really smart, the touchscreen technology works the way that it does. That transformed not only your smartphone, but now it transforms a lot of, you know, both we get tablet form factor, but also we see people, of course, with laptops and, you know, in touchscreens there. And it's fascinating to watch somebody who's, you know, less than 10 years old who expects everything to be a touchscreen. You're probably gone to seen somewhere where they grab a laptop or they go up to a screen and they literally start touching and expecting it to move. I think voice is the same idea. I think we're at the point where true, you and I hate the phraseology, but I'll use it, ambient computing, when you can talk to these devices and they'll interact with you, and that really does open up a lot of really interesting possibilities. We're in the early days of that. And just like you, know, you walk into Xerox Park and you see the mouse, and I don't think everybody knew what it was going to be. I think voice is the same thing. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Voice. I mean, we talk to each other every day. Oh, totally. And from the beginning of man, but voice as a UI, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. And I want to separate that from voice assistants. Voice assistants are are things, of course, like Amazon or, or, you know, Google, Apple's got Siri, like, like all of those, those are particular implementations of voice as a UI in a voice assistant. That's what about a chatbots? Where does that, where does that fit in? It's another implementation because if you think about it, you know, a chatbot actually is interesting because it could both be typed chatbot. We've all experienced that. And you could interact voice. You know, people always sort of say that, you know, like chatbots is one of those areas that they don't quite get. There are implementations that I think are really interesting. If you've ever stayed at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, I don't know, have you visited or stayed there? Okay. Beautiful hotel, you know, right on the strip. They have a chatbot with a personality. They've actually infused, they've created a character, Rose, who is kind of embodies that sort of sexy, trendy location. And the chatbot speaks in a very particular tone. Now, it's all this one's all done in text, but you could very well see it extending out to voice conversation. There's a very much a personality to it where, you know, it's fun and and a little silly and having a, an interactive conversation that that gives you a good experience, they then hand off to humans when they need when it needs to be. I see that extending. I think you could get where if you have imbued this technology with personality in the right place at the right time, where you can create some really interesting experiences. Or you can solve very particular problems. You know, we see the, this area where people with you know, disability who have vision impairment and, and such, they can actually be really helped by great voice interaction. Yeah, we're talking about this at, at OutSystems, where I'm working on building out our whole channel strategy and expanding our channels. And we're looking at our partner portal and how do we leverage this? Yeah. So maybe we need a rose in the partner portal to, to welcome our, our partners. Yeah. I mean, you could completely imagine that ch- sort of channel manager with personality, right? Who's helpful, but not always serious and actually like isn't, but understands a little bit of your business and can interact. You can see how that would be valuable. And people want to engage in personable ways. People like doing business with people and they are actually okay when they deal with a company or a system, as long as the experience is pleasant. You know, we all we all bemoan phone trees and unautomated emails because the experience isn't pleasant. But oh, you know it's what? Bloody awful, yeah. Well, not always. There's some examples where the experience is really good. I've had chat support, you know, cases done with with big vendors where I'm working with them. 
And the experience is great because they've just taken the time to make sure that it's very personable and there's there's a, an interaction to it that that is easier to work with. When you put time on experience, it matters. That we both know there's a whole field around customer experience and making those done well. You know, I tie that back in and say voice is one more tool in that toolbox. Yeah, what you're describing, what what you described with Rose, that's a much more pleasant experience than, you know, press one for English, press two for, and then you just go on and on and on. And you, you know, 30 minutes later, you still haven't spoken to anyone or gotten anything worthwhile. Exactly. Versus one of those situations where you let, you're able to chat and go, Hey, I want dinner reservations and, and okay, cool. I've got four options. Do you like these? That's a completely automated experience, but it feels very different. And, and I think that's where, again, there's a huge channel opportunity to think about the way you implement these. I think voice is going to do something really interesting over time. You you mentioned on one of your shows about Alexa, and it was, I think, the Microsoft revenue and, and serve. How did you phrase it? It was like service revenue or or service. People are are generating content for Alexa and they, they're making money off of it. Yeah. So it's an actual, it's, it's a third party app store around that, essentially, where the idea is, is that you can build a skill and you can then charge for it. One of the, a silly example, but it crystallizes it really well is, is you can actually play Jeopardy on, on the devices. There's a, a free version and then there's an add-on subscription that adds more questions. So if you really like doing it, you can extend your session and make it longer. That has a monthly subscription fee to it, and Amazon takes a cut of that. So that is one of the ways that they're looking at monetizing that. Now, the the interesting piece about it is, is the data was released, actually showed that Amazon is not quite hitting their targets in terms of, of the revenue numbers there. And you have to take that into account with their overall strategy, which, of course, is they sell devices. They sell Prime membership. They sell it. You know, they make you more loyal. There's the music pieces that are on top of that. There's a whole bunch of different ways that they make money off the platform. But if we dive just into that one bit, there actually is some opportunity to supplemental services around, you know, voice. How would channel partners take advantage of that? Or is, or is there a vendor play as you're building out your channel? We just mentioned chatbots for interaction. There is no reason to say that you couldn't have a platform that delivers that. There is also, you know, if we're diving in specifically on voice assistants, you know, Amazon has a whole Alexa for business line of, of stuff where you can actually integrate it into conference rooms and for collaboration and, and some of those pieces. So there actually is channel opportunity directly on the Alexa platform. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, I should speak for my own company. We've we've added chatbot capability to our outsystems development platform. Yeah. So that's something that our partners can start taking advantage of. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of different ways in this. And and you know, this is again one of those areas where I think we need to be watching. We can learn from the the way tech is moving really fast. And you know, we've always differentiated that, oh, there's enterprise software and there's SMB software. But you know, the cloud actually does kind of democratize all of this. It's yeah. really easy to get software for anybody. That means that it moves really fast and that we may be able to grab these ideas a lot sooner than we might have in the past. We're coming up towards the end of the time, but are there any other disruptive technologies that we that we miss that we should mention? I think the area is, is, is that it, there's a ton of stuff that's disruptive, but where I actually think the big opportunity really comes forth is, is we've, we've all talked about this idea of business outcomes and focusing on, on that. I think the next generation of that or the higher level conversation around that is not just business outcomes, but actually tying to business mission and business ethics. 
you know, I really, I, I really think that there is something here for addressing, helping customers be ethical, handle their customers' data in the way that they want to, that is core to their values and drives their business forward from that perspective. You're, you know, you're at another plane. You're talking a whole different language when you're, you're engaging at that level and talk about a differentiation. Talk to me in those, those terms as a business owner, you have got my attention. Yeah. And that's, like you said, that's not an easy conversation. Hey, Mr. Prospect, I want to talk to you about business outcomes and business ethics. It's not easy at all. (laughs) Which by the way, is some of why we have to start flexing the muscle. Like the way you do it is practice. And And we have to tackle some of these hard issues and we need to learn to talk about them in ways that is, that are not judgmental, that is not fully part, that is not just partisan, that is not, you know, putting everybody into their camps. We can have intelligent conversations about this stuff that, that gets to the outcome that the customer wants. It's okay that different customers are going to approach this differently. That's called business strategy. Let's just understand that and let's help them get there and let's have intelligent conversations while we do it. Yeah. And how do you stand out? You do things that not everyone is doing. Exactly. Something as tough as this, not everyone's going to do it. That's No. And I, I think, you know, a ton of people are not. And so thus I look and say, you know, that makes it an opportunity. And if it's a rarefied skill, that's a profitable one too. Yeah. Well, you're on a great mission, Dave, with business of tech. You've got killing IT. What's next for you You've, for the year 2020? Is this, is this your main focus? World domination, you know? <laughs> World domination, of course. <laughs> Ethically, of course. Ethical. <laughs> of course. For me, you know, the, the real, the big piece about this is, is that it is about bringing this voice together. So you, you say about tw- my 2020 goal, my 2020 goal is to really push the envelope in terms of getting a lot of people engaged and listening. This feels like a conversation we need to be having at a large large front. My first action for everybody is please subscribe because if you want to listen to these conversations, join in that way because you got to be understanding where it starts. For 2020, it's do that and bring those messages to people that need it and help us collectively find ways to make money doing this. Okay. So the Business of Tech podcast, five minutes every day, where do they go to to find that? All of the links are on mspradio.com. It's searchable in every podcatcher. It's available as an Amazon Alexa skill. It's on YouTube. There's all different ways to subscribe. It's whatever platform works best for you. But all the links are on mspradio.com. All right. Awesome. Well, Dave, great conversation. And I would love to have you back on later in the year because there's no doubt going to be a lot of topics coming up that we don't want to talk about. So <laughs> I would love to come back on. I'm happy to do it. I, as I said, I think we, we want to take these conversations on. So anytime, Rob, I'll come back anytime you want me. All right. Awesome. Well, fantastic. Have an awesome 2020. Thanks. You too. All right, guys, there you have it. When you talk with Dave Sobel, you know, it's going to be a fun and compelling conversation. He's got a lot of super interesting insights and a willingness to explore some deeper topics that go well beyond the usual channel conference conversations. Thank you, Dave. Be sure to check out Dave's other podcasts. Jay McBain and I, we included them in a list of 65 channel podcasts that posted earlier, and I'll have links to all of them in the show notes at channeljourneys.com backslash CJ45, where you can also subscribe to my newsletter. And you can subscribe to the Channel Journeys podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks again to the Channel Institute for being my first sponsor of the show. 
And here's that special offer that you've been waiting for. Go to channelinstitute.com and you will get an immediate 10% discount off of any course you buy just by entering the discount code journeys2020 at checkout. And they've also got free trials of the courses so you can check them out before you buy. I will see you next time on Channel Journeys. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.